I'm going to start tonight. I, I, um, I felt like the Lord, I feel like we're in the midst of a, I mean, even just hearing some of the things that are going on tonight in the world and all that, um, I feel like there is a, a an underground move that's happening within the body of Christ. There's all kinds of movements going on, obviously, but this one in particular, I feel like, is really, really important. Um, there's a scripture in John 17. I'm just going to go read a little bit of John 17, um, where kind of further down in the chapter, it says them here. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I'm not praying I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So this is Jesus praying for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so the world will believe you sent me. I'm going to read that last line again. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you. But I do, and these disciples know that you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. I feel like this prayer is probably one of the most clear presentations of the purpose of Jesus in the whole Bible. 
And this was his prayer for you. This was his prayer for me. This was his prayer for the 12 disciples that were with him in his earthly ministry. But he says here, I don't just pray for these 12. I'm praying for every single person that will come to believe in me through them. And think about that. Because of those 12, you know, plus Paul, you know, their lives fulfilled a purpose of basically living the gospel, which is really living out of the love of God. And because of that, here we are thousands and thousands of years later, now with the baton in our hand, tasked with making our lives be a testimony to the life of Jesus and why he came. And he came primarily, very simple, to tell the world that they were loved. And the bottom line is, the root of pretty much every bit of wickedness in the earth today has a root in a love problem. And Jesus came with goodwill towards men and peace on earth. His message was goodwill towards men, meaning he has goodwill, good things for men, and peace on earth. And, you know, it boils down really to this. You know, when Jesus was answering one of the religious Pharisees about which one was the greatest commandment, It's in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them of all the commandments, which is the most important. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Now, what I'm going to propose today to try to break this down a little further is to tell you that the world has a love problem, and Jesus came to solve the love problem. But let me make it a little more personal. People have a love problem, and Jesus came to solve the love problem. Now, let me make it a little more personal. You have a love problem, and Jesus came to solve your love problem. Okay? Same for me. Shalice, you have a love problem, and Jesus came to solve your love problem. Here's the thing. These acts of mass violence, the stuff that's going on like crazy, the political divide, just the hatred, 
in all of its various forms starts with people's relationship with themselves. And Jesus, first of all, came to reconcile your relationship with yourself. Now, granted, that comes through a reconciliation of your relationship with him, right? Because he's reconciled himself to you, you have permission to be reconciled with yourself. You have permission to stop being at war with yourself. If God is no longer at war with you, and by the way, beloved, he chose you before the foundation of the world. So the truth is he's never been at war with you. There's a, I'm going to read this first chapter of Ephesians in the Passion Translation. It says, My name is Paul. I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, Let me say this again. Because of his great love, he ordained us as one with Christ from the beginning so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children so that his tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory. Hear this. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Okay, this love, think about this Trinitarian love. The love that the Father has for Jesus, the Jesus, the love that Jesus has for the Spirit, the Spirit that love that has for the Father, this perfect love, perfect love. Now, perfect love, okay, agape love, God's kind of love is the is 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 true love. It's true love. 
Do you understand? And it's not based on anything that the person that is the object of that love has done. This is just a choice that the lover has made. You are loved because you are loved. He's decided you are loved. And there's nothing that you can do about it. He decided before he said, let there be light to wrap you up in Jesus like a Christmas present to himself. He wrapped you up in a pretty little package called Jesus, a perfect package. And he loves you the same way that he loves Jesus. There is... And it is, it is absolutely evident. It says, for God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. So he sent himself. And he sent himself and became obedient to death, death on a cross, so that everything that was hindering love would be swallowed up into himself so that you could be one with him. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road, guys. I mean, you can read the gospel and you can see, it says here, that he loves us the same way that he loves Jesus. But here's the problem. Until we learn to love ourselves, it really doesn't matter how much God loves you. Until you learn to love yourself, it doesn't matter how much God loves you. Why? Because you still believe you're not lovable. And God has said you're lovable, but yet you're not loving yourself. So why? Why are you not loving yourself? First of all, I don't think we know how. Hey! And this, dear children, is the problem with the world today. And so what happens in that place, see, it's like you're looking outside for something that can only be fulfilled inside. And here's the way you love yourself. You got to love the bad stuff. You have to love yourself even when you are un, acting unlovely. Even when you are not living up to the standard that you have decided in yourself is what's required to be lovable. Because the standard, my friend, 
is perfection. But perfect love decided to be perfect for you. And through that said to you, to me, that I love you in your sin. I love you before you ever sinned. I love you the same when you sin. I love you as a sinner. I love sinners. God doesn't love perfect people. His love perfected people. He did for them what no human being could do for themselves. God has declared an end to conditional love. God has declared the end to conditional love, and you need to give up the habit. And so it means when you hate yourself, you know what you do? You love yourself. Embrace it. I love myself for hating myself. I love myself in my self-hatred. I love myself while I'm being self-hating. I love myself while I'm being angry, while I'm being unreasonable, while I'm being impatient, while I'm, I'm, name it, while I'm lusting, while I'm committing whatever fill-in-the-blank thing you want to say. Because if you can't love yourself in that place, you don't, you can't love, that's not love. That part of you is exactly what needs love. That part of you is what's crying out for love. And if you can't accept that part of you, that part of you can never get whole because it actually just needs love. That angry you needs love. That lustful you needs love. That alcoholic you needs love. That rejected you needs love. That, that ugly you needs love. And you can't receive God's love and hate yourself. You have to let you have to just, and you just, it's just, you just feed, just, you know what? Quit resisting that. You know, feelings don't go away because you don't like them. You don't stop being angry because you don't want to be angry. Getting angry that you're angry doesn't stop the anger. You know, feelings are what make us alive. You know, and most of us, somewhere along the way, 
learned either not to like our feelings, not to be allowed to have feelings, or not know how to express our feelings, or not just not know how to actually deal with our feelings. And this places us at war with ourselves because we have not learned to love ourselves in our feelings and to give ourselves permission to feel angry. We're afraid of sadness. We're afraid of fear. We're afraid to feel. Rather than just loving yourself, love yourself enough to feel. Feelings are not sin. Feelings are not wrong. I mean, the way we express ourselves because of our feelings. I mean, think about the, I mean, I've been watching all this stuff with Hollywood and all the sexual predator stuff. I mean, these are people that have never learned to understand their sexual feelings. And so they're expressing their sexuality it's completely they, they, completely out of control. I mean, but, but most people are not taught how to actually feel. And we're so afraid of feeling and so angry. Or we, it's just so repressed. We're so repressed. And fe- feelings are one of the number one ways that we love ourselves. Feeling gives you a space And the thing about feelings are, I've never seen anyone in a session or otherwise receiving ministry, when they are given permission to actually feel the feeling, for it not to come and go, and to be released. Feelings are meant to be released. They're meant to be felt. And so you can love that part of you that is unlovable. I mean, that's what love is. Love isn't love if it's just based on everything being hunky-dory. True love loves as is. It loves as is. And it doesn't require you to change to be loved. And it's not going to love you more once you change. Does it want to see you walk in wholeness? Sure. But that's for you, not for love. You know, and turning this inward is the only way to turn it outward. Because if you can't love you, you haven't learned to love. And that's okay, (laughs) because that's why Jesus came. 
And so the gospel is about, it's a story of you being loved. You know, whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, no matter how much further you think you should be along or how many times you failed or how, whatever cycle you may find yourself in or whatever problem you may find yourself in the midst of, self-created or otherwise, right? None of that has the power to define you. In truth, in truth. Now, it does because we allow it to define us. And I'm saying, love the you that got you in the mess. How do you do that? How do you just do that? You, you, you know? For me, it's been a kind of a process of coming as me to me. Um, so like... If I hold an image in my head of the me that I don't like or the me that screwed up or the me that did something or hasn't been doing something or whatever, right? You know? Well, I can come to that person and say, I love you right here in the midst of what you're doing. I love you while you're failing. I love you while you're self-harming. I love you while you are acting out in all kinds of ways. I love you. I love you right now. And when you're feeling a certain way, you can love yourself while feeling a certain way. What you, you know, this, this whole idea of, I mean, this is a performance, it's a performance-based war with yourself. And at what point do you just make peace when God already has And you think, well, I don't, I can't, I can't. No, but you can. And it's different than forgiving. Although forgiveness is powerful. You know, forgiveness can clean the slate, but loving yourself throws the slate away. With love, there is no slate. (laughs) 
When you love yourself, you stand in kind of a pretty much perpetual place of forgiveness. And let me say this. This isn't a one-time thing. This is a moment-by-moment thing. This is a moment-by-moment thing of choosing. Not just choosing. It's not a choice. It's an experience. Love is not a choice. It's an experience. I mean, choosing is good, but this is not an intellectual exercise. This is something that's, this is a heart. This is a heart thing. This is a heart thing. And it's like, I love my angry self. And then from there, guess what? You can be start to begin to be kind to others. You know, I was reading the other day about how Cain killed Abel because his sacrifice was not accepted. So hating Abel was really about hating Cain. You know, hating your brother is really almost always. And here's the thing, too, is if, if, you'll, if you'll embrace this stuff and begin to love yourself in the midst of that stuff, there's lessons, there's things to learn, there's, there's freedom and breakthrough on the other side. But you can't even get to that wisdom when you're in that place of shutdown with yourself. Am I making sense? And so this is a way to kind of this is this is this is believing the gospel. Let me just read a few more scriptures here. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that means while you're still behaving badly, you love. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So here's the reality of it as well. You're busy hating yourself or not loving yourself for something that Jesus has taken away. So you're mad at yourself or you're withholding love from yourself for things that Jesus absorbed already that don't exist from God's perspective, which is the only one that really matters since he's actually the judge. And if he's declared you not guilty, 
not only declared you not guilty, became guilty for you. The reason you're not guilty is because Jesus was declared guilty. He was made sin who knew no sin. He was made sin. He was made the parts of you that you have declared unlovable. And so you're, you're rejecting yourself for not performing up to whatever standard this is that you need to perform. In order. But the problem is that, I mean, how far do you have to actually go? At what point do you judge yourself lovable? Because the, the truth is life teaches us from a very young age there's something wrong with you. And what God is saying is, I love you anyway. God doesn't love perfect people. You know, and this problem that we're, I mean, we are, it's an, this is a, this is, this is, this is, the world is still in need of a savior. I mean, not in the, I mean, not in reality. I mean, it's obviously he's already done the work. But people need to experience it. And I'm telling you, God's love is about you loving yourself. In John 15, it says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. He said, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Now, I really believe that pruning and that purifying comes through the gospel, right? Because then you remain in him, and he remains in you. That's, that's, that's the pruning. He says, a branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. I believe remaining in his love means that we are constantly receiving love. And you and only you can cut that off. Okay. So I want to do a little exercise here. And we're going to let the voice, the voice, that rises up inside of us get loved. So when you say your name, Shalise, I love you, a lot of times what comes up, right, 
is, no, you don't. Okay. Well, I love the part of me that doesn't believe that I love myself. just feel that that acceptance I didn't say I'm not going to get in a fight with you yes you do no I don't yes I do no I don't yes I do no I don't no no you that that I feel like I don't love myself so I love myself for not believing that I love myself Like, yourself doesn't know what to do with that. Like, wait, oh, you love even that? You love even that? So that voice is what you're loving. That's the you you're loving. So when it says, I'm a piece of crap, maybe in more flower, colorful language, depending on who it is. Well, I love you for feeling like a piece of crap. I love you for being a piece of crap. But I screwed up. I made some really bad choices. I made some huge mistakes and I keep making them and I'm stuck and it's a cycle of just doing the same thing over and over again and I can't stop. Well, I love you for making that for for I love that I love you. I love you. I love I love you. The one that's doing all of that. I love you as a failure. I love you as making stupid decisions. While you're making stupid decisions. I love you while you can't stop. I love you while you're powerless. I love you while you make really stupid decisions. I love you while you can't help yourself. And pretty soon you'll start to realize that that voice that is loving you is the same voice of God. Because you're one. But if you're only listening to that voice (laughs) of all the reasons why you don't deserve love, then it's as though the cross did nothing. So this is not about 
mean, this is really about esteeming with the cross. This is really about esteeming what God did for you. He made a way for you to have peace with yourself. And here's the thing. You don't get better by hating yourself. You don't stop the things that you hate by hating the things that you hate. Otherwise, hate would be the savior. The way of escape is not through hate. The way of escape is through love. And, you know, I think that's what Jesus does. I mean, I think he comes to us in a million ways in the midst of our brokenness to tell us that we're lovable. He's constantly confirming his love for us. But the purpose of that is for you to agree with him. But doing this is, it's, it's, I mean, this is not just a decision. I mean, it's not a decision. It's a way of relating to yourself. It's a way of living with yourself. And guess what? You're not getting away from yourself. So it's a, it's a, it's a way of relating. And it is just simply saying it and saying it and saying it. It's talking to that voice. It's called grace and mercy. I mean, I think a lot of people sometimes, you know, that's where you struggle because you know the gospel and you know God has grace for you. You know, God's not counting your sins against you or holding these things against you. It's you holding these things against you. Right? Right. If you're putting a condition on you loving yourself, by the time you love yourself, it's, no, it's not love. It's, and it's all about our, it's, it becomes this thing with yourself. I mean, if you're not, this is a place where you ha, just be willing to, I mean, it's, it's a place of where you're just being willing to love what is unlovely. I mean, everybody in here, everyone on the planet has, has all kinds of unlovely And withholding yourself, love from yourself, makes the love of God of none effect. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, are you, and I get that it's difficult. I mean, but it, you're, it's gonna, you're gonna have. This is an exercise you do with yourself. This isn't. I can't do it for you. But with every little rabbit hole you go down, it's a choice to just in that place and that unlovely, unlikable, disgusting place, the worst of yourself, the most defiled, ugly place. It's you willing to love you. And if you aren't able, you, you talk through that. And every time something comes up, you're, you're, you accept that that's hard even. You love yourself even though you can't love yourself. <laughs> you love yourself even though you can't love yourself. Like, I love myself for not loving myself. And yes, you start by saying, you, you, of course you start by saying it. I love myself in spite that I don't love myself. I love myself for this. I love, you know, am I making, I know it's a little intangible because it's not here. This isn't, this isn't, this is an experience with yourself. This isn't a logical head thing. This is a heart thing. This is a relationship thing. This is a relationship thing. And relationships are heart things. This is about you and you. And a reconciliation between you and you. And forgiveness, sometimes, you know, it is a, it, forgiveness is good. But it's still conditional acceptance. Because the next time you mess up, you're going to be in unforgiveness with yourself again. Maybe that's the reason why. Maybe it's nothing to do with God. I mean, there's plenty of people that don't bring God into it and can't stand themselves. You know, it's, it's, God is, the gospel is what gives you permission to accept yourself and to love yourself. It gives you permission because God is not relating to you based upon that. And I'm telling you, we're talking about God. God is not saying, I don't love you because of your body. God is not saying, I don't love you because you're a child molester. God is not saying, I don't love you because you're a murderer. God is not putting a condition of your lovability on your performance, your behavior, your looks, your past. You know, I had a vision one time of, it was weird because I've never, I've never really been like, I've never ever been a heroin addict. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I had this vision of me one time and I was, with, I was like coming off of heroin and I was having withdrawals, and I was very, very sick, and it was just, I think it's because there's something about addiction specifically, that kind of addiction that has always affected me very, very deeply. Drug addicts always affect me very, very deeply, Um, and especially the worst kind, you know, heroin or some of these ones that are just consumed, no longer really even living, 
because of it. And Jesus was there, and he was holding me in this withdrawal, in this place where most people, you know, wouldn't even get near that. You know, most people would be so repulsed by that. You wouldn't even get in, you know, you would not even get near it. You wouldn't be able to stomach it. But Jesus was down there, and he, it wasn't that he was just loving me. It, it, was, it was beyond just loving me. He was in it with me. He was relating to it as me. And it was just this incredible feeling of the way Jesus is involved in our brokenness and how he's down there in that loving us. That he's down there in the midst of the ugliest things loving us, in the ugliest parts, in the most shameful places. He's not afraid to identify with us and accept us and love us and embrace us and be with us. There's no stench too stinky. There's no sin too, you know, I mean, he's that, that's who he is. And this place, beloved, I'm saying you don't have a right anymore to hate yourself. The blood of Jesus has severed your right to judge yourself and to separate yourself and withhold love from yourself because Jesus has already gotten down into that, the deepest recesses of your humanity and declared you lovable. Mm-hmm. He has. And so it is an, it is a, you know, it is a activity. I mean, this is a, this is a, let me just, I mean, really, there's, there's nothing that needs to be done except to be willing. You know, being willing. You know, we spent so many years being unwilling to turn it around and be willing sets love in motion. Well, Father, I just thank you that this is not a side dish <laughs> in the meal. But I thank you, Father, this is the main course. That you came with peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And I thank you that you came to deliver us from everything that hinders love. 
And you came to set us free to love. You came and declared humanity is lovable. That every person on the planet is worthy of love. And I thank you, Father, that you you declared that while we weren't doing anything loving. (laughs) Thank you that you loved us while we were still at our worst. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to continue to heal our hearts from performance-based thinking and performance-based relating to ourselves. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're our teacher and you're going to show us how to embrace the parts of us that feel unembraceable. Because you've already embraced them. So it's a group hug. (laughs) It's us joining in your love. It's us experiencing your love for us, as us. And so I just declare today, Father, that this is just the beginning of a new way of thinking. And where it's not clear, I think you're going to continue to speak. And where there's confusion, you're going to bring peace. And where there is resistance, you're going to bring power. I thank you that there is grace here in this place. That there is grace, that your grace is made perfect in weakness. And so this is something that you're going to do for us as us. You're going to complete this work in us, Lord. And I thank you that it's a turning point for someone. I, 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 I believe that, Lord. I really believe that it's a turning point, Father, and that this is what you are doing in so many ways in the body of Christ. Because the world needs love. And it begins with us. It begins with us. In Jesus' name, amen.